Hey there, and welcome to the Agency Rockstars podcast. I'm Dana Lindahl, and I'm the founder of LegendaryLeadGen.com, where we help B2B companies become authorities in their industry, set more sales appointments, and convert those appointments into more sales. We also help other agencies sell our patent process on to their own clients. And we truly believe in the value of building and creating relationships, and in that being the main driver of new sales for agencies. So... Stick around to the end of the show. We're going to be revealing how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing agency podcasts on the planet. All right, let's get straight into it. All right, rock stars, welcome back to the show. Uh, On today's stage, I am joined by Ian Peterman, who is a CEO of Peterman Design Firm, uh, an agency that brings your products and brands into reality. Ian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. So these agency rock stars are excited to hear about your journey to becoming the rock star that you are in the agency world. So Ian, tell me a little bit about how you got into the agency world, if you would. Um, I started as a freelancer. That was my that was my first fray into it. Um, and then from there, I wanted to grow. So I I joined up with a, a few other people. I ended up being four partners uh, at a design firm. Helped start that get it going um and that really exposed me to a lot of the other sides of running an agency um because i was only one of four so i didn't have to do everything but being only four people we all ended up doing everything <laughs> um, yeah. and so you know that was uh, that's what i call my training wheel years and then after that um decided to like really liked it but wanted to branch off on my own and really focus on products um, a lot more. We were a lot more general uh, with with the firm before and just kind of did everything, literally everything. Um, and my background being in product development, I wanted to dive into really product focused work and, you know, branding and all that stuff around it. But, um, and that's, that's how I've ended up being here. So when you went off on your own, it wasn't necessarily that you didn't want to have the partners. You wanted to work on something specific that that agency wasn't working on. We, we did, I mean, the product development was my part, but it was just a part and I wanted to do more of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and when we, we had a staff, we had, it was, you know, a lot more graphic designers and product designers. And so a lot of the work that we needed to bring in and I, as a partner worked on the sales end, um, I ended up selling a lot more, you know, mm-hmm. graphic design work <laughs> than product design work. And I, <laughs> You know, it was a great experience. It, it taught me a lot. Um, and I definitely have an appreciation for graphic agencies, but it's not really my my strong suit. I, I love products far more. So I just made made sense. And a couple other, it basically worked out. A couple, couple of partners, we all, we all wanted to kind of jump off into a niche. And so it just turned out that we, we were able to use it as a learning platform. And um, I think only two of us still have agencies. The other two totally, totally left the, the whole agency world and are off doing something totally different now. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I hear product design uh, out there in the world and, and I think I know what it is, but let's, let's start there real quick, if you would, in a, in a, in a, you know, 30 second pitch, whatever you want to say, uh, explain what product design is like, what do you do? And then who do you do it for in general? Yeah. So product design is a little bit of a confusing word because it, a lot of people use it and they're talking about digital products only. 
Um, and it actually refers to products that are physical as well. And so uh, product design is really, it's part of the product development process. And it's really just the concepting and industrial design, UI, UX, uh, those kinds of what we call front-end design falls under the product design you know, name, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so who who then do you help do that for? Like, what is your ideal client or partner, whoever you call them? What do they look like? So we do we do a split. Before COVID, we were we were about ninety percent startups. I uh, worked with a lot of startups, early stage, you know, first round funding, that kind of that kind of client. Um, and with COVID, of course, that got impacted. That segment of the uh, business world is the most hard hit. And so we've pivoted to about a 30% startup and the rest of it, we're working with medium-sized businesses and up. Um, and so, but we still, we love startups. It's, we want to support that more. So we're actually working on a, a mentorship program to help even earlier stage uh, lower funded <laughs> projects um, and help them get going. So we kind of have this two side. We, we have startups as, as basically our passion project. We, we love it. Uh, it does not pay as well. <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> a startup world, a lot yeah. more work, uh, but there's amazing products that come out of it. Being in that side, there's so much innovation and ideas that come come around. So it's, it's very exciting. Uh, and then we're working, you know, with larger companies that have bigger budgets and and more more steady workflow. So yeah, we kind of play both sides. Gotcha. Now when you get to that level, is it hard to be innovative or is there still innovation and creativity and excitement in those big level companies? It really depends on the team inside of it. So we've we've definitely met some slow, very corporate, you know, what you think of when you're like, ah, the, what corporate is very slow, bureaucratic. Uh, 15 decision makers takes a year, (laughs) Um, you know, it's negotiating multiple levels just to get there. And we have, we have a couple projects that that have taken a year and a half to close just Mm -hmm. because of everything that it takes. Um, But there's all, we've also run into larger companies that they move on a dime. They're really, they've kept that startup. Let's solve the problem. And move on mentality rather than how many people have to sign this piece of paper before we can start. And so and those, we, we obviously love working with more. They're, they're on it. They, they're, they're making different change and they're usually a lot more driven. They're more socially forward. They're more wanting to make an impact. And so that, that kind of driving factor really helps them move, mm-hmm. move forward a little bit better. Yeah. Making that impact rather than just the bottom line. Exactly. Both, but yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. You got to make both, <laughs> otherwise you won't be around anymore. Right, right. <laughs> so, so we know that we know the what and the who. Um, I'd like to know a little bit of an example, if you would, Ian. Can you share with me and with listeners uh, maybe a favorite story that highlights a specific way that you helped one of those clients we just talked about uh, do what do what they needed to do? Mm, yeah, um, well, there's a couple. One of, one of my favorite Tuesday projects that I worked on is I worked worked with barefoot sound uh speaker monitor company um they do recording studio equipment so now your now your little speakers are ten thousand plus speakers for mixing and um 
they were they are already doing some work. And so we I ended up redesigning and expanding their entire line uh, of products. And so they were they're one of those they were they were making good money. They were a good a, you know smaller but still a good sized company. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the owner and the team there they're extremely they're all about making the product better, making the customer happier, introducing new products that could fit needs that their customers were actually telling them. And so that that flow was very was very easy to be in uh, because they were def- we were really focused on the customer and how to make the product better for them. And they were listening to their existing customers. They're like, well, we'd love to have this kind of product. Can you do this? Because I have to buy somebody else's product, but I would buy yours if you <laughs> if you made one that did yeah. this. Um, and so it was it was a great experience just having working with a company that really, really cared about, oh, the customer is saying this, well, we should listen and let's let's develop a product line. So we took them from two two speakers to about eight eight different products in a span of three years. So that was was a lot of fun. And during that kind of work, do you, do you only work with the, the, the brand, the business, the company, or are you actually talking to those customers who want certain things and features and and stuff? Like, like, where do you fit in that conversation? Um, I don't, we don't usually talk directly to customers. Um, A lot of companies, they like to, you know, just for security reasons, they keep their customer customer info <laughs> locked up. Um, yeah. But we, I do help guide, and I have helped guide. You know, questions. So how do you how do you get that information? So we run, you know, kind of not quizzes, but you know, little questionnaires and things like that. Of like, okay, well, hey, we have this product you want to develop. That's that's great we want to improve it like here's some questions we need we need we, we really should know from your customers here send out an email like send this out or have your sales team when they're talking to existing customers ask these three questions and so we'll help guide guide that conversation um we don't i don't really dial up customers <laughs> asking yeah, individually yeah. but we definitely help guide that that discovery process um and help figure out what their information is. So we've also had companies like, oh, we sent out this questionnaire six months ago. We don't really know what to do with it. We, somebody in marketing said it was a good idea. Um, and so they just like to have, it, have this information. Like we don't know, we haven't even looked at it. We don't know what to make of it. Um, and so we'll do some of that of just, okay, well, let's let's look at your data. Let's look at some information and, and you know, maybe there's some follow-up questions or, hey, you, you got some great, nuggets of information here that you should really pull. Like we have three new products we could launch based on your current customer feedback. So that's it. That's interesting. So there's something yeah. that like listeners, I mean, if, if you, if you have that scenario where like, I have all this data, but I don't know what to do with it, call Ian and see if you can find some products in there. <laughs> that's awesome. Exactly. You'd be surprised at what customers will tell you. So yeah. as, long, as long as you're documenting it, like, you can find a gold mine of information. Yeah. So speaking of that, I I was thinking as you were saying, I wrote down uh, Ford and Jobs, uh, Henry Ford, Steve Jobs. You know, they're famous for saying like people don't know what they what they want. They will tell them what they want. But what you're telling me is that pe- like people do, they have questions and needs, and they do know what they want. Where where do you fall in that? I mean, obviously you're asking those questions and using those to to launch products. I think I know where you fall, but is there such a thing as like 
you know, Henry Ford supposedly said, if I had asked people what they wanted, they just would have said a faster horse. So like, 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 what is that? I think that there's that both are actually valid. So on, you know, it's, it's, it's more of where is the culture at and where are people's minds at? So yeah, when Ford, and I totally would, would believe that if Ford asked people, what would you want for transportation? They would say a faster horse because for thousands of years, that's what we did. We bred horses to be faster so you can get farther. Um, and so where, where we have technology leaps, invention of the iPhone, mass production of an automotive vehicle that runs on gas, not a horse, those leaps, sometimes you just have to put it out there and people don't know that they want it until it exists. And that's part of it is like, if you don't know it exists, it's really hard to want it. And so in, I kind of look at it as if you're going to take a giant technology leap, you just put it out there and then see what people think. Okay. And you, you can, you can really, you can do it. Steve jobs and, and, and Ford did put a product out there and, you know, it obviously works. They're, they're giant companies been around for a while. It's, it's working. Um, but I, there's also this, this incremental improvement that is absolutely driven by customer feedback because they see the product and then there's an issue with the product. And I, I think it's strategic in how you use both of those approaches. And obviously I do lean, I do lean a little more towards l- listening to customers, but it's also how you interpret it. So Ford interpreted, oh, they're going to ask for a faster horse. Well, how about I just skip the horse and make something that's even faster? So I think there's, you know, the, the answer was there, just not in a easily discernible way. So that's, you know, how do you look at the customer's response? Yeah. Do they really want a faster horse or they just want to go fast? So, and I think that that interpretation, you know, is like, is the iPhone, like, do you want, the internet in your hand. Do you want information? Like, what do you really want when you want a better phone? You want better information? Well, here you go. Here's a smartphone. <laughs> have, have fun with that. I like that interpretation. I, I I was thinking of it as two separate things, but the way you brought it together, Ian, was so interesting. It can be both. Uh, and here's how. So that's really good. Listening to your customer is really important. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what is one of the biggest pain points you see right now in your ideal clients industries? Mm, um, across industries, a lot of it has to do with um, getting shut down. <laughs> Everybody shut down. Um, funding has been certain segments of funding has been pretty much frozen. So we've had, we've had clients that, they were doing great, getting funding, even secured funding, and then had it pulled as soon as things started started to hit the fan. Um, so those are those are a couple of things. The remote work is probably the biggest among some of some of our larger clients. The how to handle and manage and and go remote um, effectively is mm-hmm. has been a, a big piece, and um, we're. We actually have, we're developing a training program because we've been doing we've been remote since I started this company. So we have years years of experience doing it, um, and we've noticed that our clients there, a lot of them they don't they weren't remote or there was like that one weird guy that 
came into the office once a week and worked from home, but everybody thought it was weird, but he seemed to get stuff done because he wasn't mm-hmm. fired. Like that, that was our experience in general to like remote working um, in January. And as of, you know, March, we're, <laughs> we're sitting in this world where nobody is working in the office. There is no, nobody gets to go there. Um, and so that's been a huge pain point of, all right, well, that one guy has experience, but nobody else knows what to do. How do you manage it? How do you, how do you do that and, and stay effective as a company? And so that's, yeah. that's probably the biggest, <laughs> biggest pain point we've seen. Yeah. That's, yeah, it's, it's so interesting. Um, I like that, that one weird guy, but he, but he hasn't been fired. So he must be all right, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I remember that one weird guy in different companies, but now I'm that weird guy. Anyway, um, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Uh, great stuff, Dana. Uh, Dana, great stuff, Ian. Um, I so appreciate your conversation, uh, the 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 unique perspective you bring to it. Um, I, I have one one more big question for you, but before I get there, I want to make sure listeners uh, can find you, connect with you, make sure they they know where Peterman Design is, all that stuff. Where's the best place to connect with you, Ian? Uh, best is petermanfirm.com. Um, but we are on social media, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, you can find me pretty easily. Ian Peterman. I've, I'm very findable <laughs> at this point. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And accessible. So very nice. Um, Absolutely. awesome. So Ian, is there anything over the years that you've learned or advice that you've heard that, you know, first seems counterintuitive, but then ends up having a massive impact on your business once you embraced it. Hmm. Yeah. The, the, probably the biggest piece is you really should work. If you're, if you're starting an agency, um, you are the lifeblood of the agency and you really should work on yourself. Like those, not, not to prescribe how self-help, but you should, <laughs> you, yeah. you should work on yourself. You should spend time, um, and, and work-life balance really does work. I, I learned that early with my freelancing, uh, life. I burned my, I burned myself out about three times and before mm-hmm. I realized it is real <laughs> and I can't keep doing it. I am getting older. So, um, you know, those, those two things is really made it, made a big difference. So, yeah. uh, those are, those are little pieces of advice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, it's counterintuitive, right? Like, don't worry about yourself. Just get the job done, be busy, hustle. But in all right. reality, you, you kind of, you kind of can't. Yeah. The, I mean, we, we really, really as a society uh, glorify the burnt out hustling and entrepreneur and, and yeah, they, some of them make it, but other people end up in a hospital. Like that's, uh, there's a lot more of those because we don't hear though. That's not a success story we want to hear. So, you know, it's, it really is like, take care of yourself. You gotta, you want to be alive to enjoy your success. So um, yeah, don't burn out. Yep. Excellent. Well, yeah. Ian Peterman on social, uh, petermanfirm.com is the website. Ian, thank you so much for being a part of Agency Rockstars. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Agency Rockstars podcast. If you're an agency owner who would like to appear in this podcast, please visit legendaryleadgen.com slash podcast slash apply. Also, if you found this episode valuable, I would really appreciate you sharing it on social media. Even just a quick screenshot of the episode showing on your phone shared to social media would be great. 
if you truly enjoyed the episode, we'd also really love a rating in your favorite podcast player. Please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button so you won't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Thanks again for listening. I'm Dana Lindahl, and if you want to connect, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can also find more information about everything we're currently doing at legendaryleadgen.com. Thanks for listening, and hope to hear from you soon. Thank you.